HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew Yeah That cat is high No bad look in his eye Oh man, he's high Yes, higher than a kite That cat is high Hi, welcome to the Speakeasy I'm your host, Damon Bolte listening to the Heritage Radio Network. My guest today is Adam Kolsar. He is the proprietor of the Brooklyn Orjant Company and Tiki Cocktail Enthusiast. Indeed. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, it's great to be here, man. It's great to have you. Um, One of the... Before we get into the, uh, the actual conversation on tiki drinks and cocktails one of the most striking interesting things about you uh i've known you now for a couple of years and uh one of the most interesting things about you to me is that the fact that you are uh straight edge until the age of what 37 37 sir that's right 37 years of no booze no uh no smoking no no drinking no drinking uh can you talk a little bit about straight edge? I mean, like it's 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 an old school like uh, punk rock thing. It is an old school, and it's it's also a new school thing. It's continued. Uh, but back in the day, I'm I'm kind of an old uh, old stove, as they say. Uh, I, I've 47 now, so I've been a, a inveterate drinker for for a good <laughs> solid decade. But uh, back in the day, uh, coming up, uh, those of you of similar vintage will recall the whole like DC punk thing the the yeah. bands like um well bands most most pro, uh most uh, prominently uh like minor threat minor threat yeah and uh youth of today and and all that that stuff going on back in the day and and certainly i was into punk rock 
uh, right there from the onset back in in 78, where there was no such thing, certainly, as straight edge. But, you know, it's just funny. As a, as a kid, I was, I was very uh, uninhibited, as, as, it, as it might be. And so the, the whole drinking thing and the experimenting thing never really occurred to me in my early teens. And, you know, all my friends would try stuff. It was, it was just never uh, a really an attraction. And uh, believe it or not, I, I think my per annum consumption of beer until the age of 37 was perhaps three or four. And that would be only in the absence of any other kind of hydrated, you know, hydrating fluid. Right. So I'm, I made it into the... Gosh, so straight edge with benefits. <laughs> straight edge with benefits, exactly. And I made it into the early 80s, into the mid 80s, and found a tribe of people that thought similarly. And okay, cool. So I like punk rock. Here's a philosophy that kind of ascribes to what I'm doing. And I and for years I played in a uh, straight edge punk rock band. And it was more straight edge was more than not drinking. It was all about you know not being sexist and and you know kind of the anti rock star thing. Yeah. And so that totally fit fit my my bill of fare, so to speak. And the music was intense and fun, and and the gigs were great. And we were even like on a, a record label with Seven Seconds. I played in a band called Bedlam Hour, oh, yeah. which is a band out of South Carolina. So here it is. I found my group. I'm hanging. Um, I'm doing my thing all the way past the band, going into my 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 30s and mid 30s, and it just never occurred to me. Uh, and also bear in mind that these are the darkest days of cocktail oh, and yeah. drinks. And so why would, w- drink, was there any attraction to anything to drink back then? Really? There why really not? wasn't. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm coming out of disco and, and, and the, the worst <laughs> club mixology known to mankind. So there was nothing really to tempt me away in terms of wanting to drink. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I, I made it all this way. I, I found a group of people. I still kind of listen to that music as, as, as anachronistic as it may be, but uh, there's something there. And unfortunately now, you know, what's happened is the religious right has really glommed on to straight edge, and they use that as a tool to recruit right. little Christian dudes and, and right. girls. And so that I don't think I would be into it now. I was in straight edge when every other word out of Ian Mackay's mouth was the <laughs> F word. Yeah. You know, it was a better brand, in my opinion, of How straight very edge. Brooklyn of him. That's right. <laughs> um, that's it's really interesting to me. The whole the whole straight edge movement back in those days and how it. it it got to a point where it could be like really aggressive too. Oh, absolutely! Like you'd be at a show smoking a cigarette, and somebody would punch it out of your mouth. You know, yeah. like stuff like that. I can't ever imagine you being that kind of no, a straight edge. You know, our, our band was really, and our thought was really: listen, live and let live. This is our personal philosophy. Uh, you know, and it just enabled us to do a lot more with what we had as a band and as ki- you know kids or young people with no money you know we showed up to our gigs we played the gigs yeah you know and it was still very it was still very intense it wasn't wimpy by any means so yeah you know it was the the music was very aggressive in a a good way you know but uh it's you know the 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 famous stories of ian mckay stopping a crowd of three thousand people because some poor girl was getting trampled to death just common sense that's all yeah so yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting you say that about uh, like the your your mentality with your your old band uh, Bedlam Hour. Uh, 
the the mentality of uh, being less of the aggressive straight edge. In in theory, not mm-hmm. in music, like mm-hmm. not, you know, you're still like pretty hardcore, right? But uh, the the theory of uh, you know this is our philosophy on how we do this, right? You, we're not going to shove it down your throat. No, not at all. This is how uh, we just. This is how we find it best to suit us, and it's moving in the cocktail side of it. That's exactly how like a lot of these cocktail bars need to be these days too. You know, like a lot, a lot of us, we're not necessarily necessarily telling you. This is better than that. It's just like, man, this is what we find to be the best. And like, like with the way that you started into uh, the way you got turned on to uh, to cocktails and to drinking, and uh, it wasn't. It was uh, your wife. That's right. Susan bought you a ticket to a uh, uh, Dale DeGroff, a Dale DeGroff cocktail college. Right. And this is back in two thousand two. This one, is one of his earlier. Very Classes. early efforts, and I yeah. think this is one of his. One, was one of his. This is pre BAR. This is uh, yeah. as he's as he's published his first book, The Craft of the Cocktail, right at the same time. And that's, that's right, yeah. same year, same year. Yeah. So I had never heard of Dale DeGroff, and what my wife did recognize about me is uh, certainly I have an aspect of romantic nostalgia, mm-hmm. and you know, pertaining to the music, pertaining to lifestyle pertaining to uh, the the culinary aspect of things and, and the complexities of combining flavors and ingredients and that type of thing and so she was she she happened across a an advertisement on a web on slow foods oh cool. somebody somehow mentioned the fact that Dale DeGroff the king of the cocktail was putting on a seminar at the Marriott Marquis on rum punch and she said, rum, tiki, that's right up Adam's alley. You know, because I had a very passing uh, interest in tiki. And Did, that was also, that's pertaining to your uh, your interest in like mid-century modernism. That's correct. Right. Right, because our house is decorated that. There, there's a term which I, I loathe but have to acknowledge is completely accurate. Uh, metropolitan. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm saying retropolitan. <laughs> so I, I hate those kind of labels, but it happens to apply. And so she thought, hey, why not? Adam, check this thing out. And it was really a, a transformative moment in my life as a straight edge guy that had no interest in booze. Going to this seminar where everyone had a bar set up. And Dale is such a master raconteur in terms of explaining the uh, the, the the place of rum in in our culture and, and in, in terms of going back to the quote unquote invention of rum bustion back in the bar you know back in Barbados and the whole thing and he brought that up to the modern day and I was fascinated by the complexity of these drinks and the deftness and execution it requires to, to, to make these things come to life. Right. And, and also, th- these drinks are so shrouded in secrecy and, and lore. Uh, it, 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 every drink has a story, and the, the, the characters that created these out of the post-Prohibition era are, are, are fascinating people in their own right. And, and Dale really painted a, a, a wonderful swashbuckling picture of the combination of ingredients to, to, to form these, these drinks that I had, first of all, never knew existed, and then could not believe how delicious they tasted. Right. I, you know, one thing that I 
really respect about you, and uh, it, for our listeners, uh, Adam actually is not, he's not a, a working bartender, but he can bartend circles around most bartenders out there, especially with uh, this uh, new onset of uh, tiki bars out there, uh, not really paying attention to the classic like techniques and involvement for these cocktails. And one thing I really admire about your uh, your skill with these drinks is it's just that, like your your admiration of the the proper recipes and mm-hmm. measurements and there's no like eyeballing like no to down to the like literally to the last drop you always make these drinks in the most prophetic like just intense way and right. they come out to be really great uh i, w- I want to talk also about <laughs> i want if you don't mind, not uh, at all. I, I want to talk about the uh, the fact that uh, you have the back end of an airstream trailer in your apartment. That's right. That's <laughs> for right. somebody like for somebody that's not a, a working bartender that is a uh, an uh, orjot producer, which we're going to get to in a sec as well, um, and uh, an enthusiast, and just a straight up enthusiast, not only with tiki drinks, which is your main focus, but classic cocktails as well. Mm-hmm. Adam has this bar in his apartment. He's this great loft uh, apartment in, uh, in in Brooklyn, and uh, he has one of the coolest bars that I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, and I've seen you. a lot of bars. It's it's actually it's a real it's the back end of an airstream trailer. That's correct. Chopped it, off. Right. The the foot rail is the back bumper. Right. Has working tail lights and license tag light. Mm-hmm. And it has a kegerator in it. It does indeed. And the tap handle is a miniature Airstream Bambi trailer. That's correct. And and this thing is hand-fabricated to spec at the Airstream factory. This is it's produced by them. It's produced by them. All the doors and uh, the drawers and the, the cabinet doors in, in the back are all actual Airstream kitchen. Components. That, components. No, it's yeah. just, all the stuff that this is put together with are right off the assembly line at the airstream factory in ohio <laughs> it's amazing yeah. it's amazing it's, it's a great piece if you ever get a chance to hang out with adam at his place and uh, have his amazingly crafted cocktails and uh you know general revelry about uh, you know cocktail culture and uh, it's all about music. conviviality it's yeah. creating that exactly it'll be an experience that you will never forget um the uh the thing about the 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 bar that you have that drives me insane every time like I come over to your place and uh, and and uh, have these well crafted cocktails is uh you have on your on your bar framed on your bar you have uh, a picture of your grandfather that's correct yes he was a Rheingold beer rep and uh your it's a picture of your grandfather and grandmother that's right in their basement bar at their place and it's totally tiki'd out it really is. I mean, the the guy really had a knack. Uh, Jerry McCarthy. He was a uh, Rheingold beer rep here in uh, in Brooklyn uh, for years. That was his. That's the. He worked for an ice cream company uh, for a while. He worked for Briars, and then he went over to beer. And this guy <laughs> from ice cream to beer. From ice cream to beer. What else do you want? That's it. The two staples in life. <laughs> the two and, main food groups. And he was the master host. This guy was just unbelievable. And and that bar was just unbelievable i love i love that i I, I love the way that it's uh that you inherited that from him yes um 
the, albeit late, but I did inherit it. <laughs> late, but yeah, but like the just uh, the, just the uh, the hosting side of it and the tiki side of it. I think it's so right. cool that like you guys uh, that it, that it ran it's, in the it's family. It's in the blood. It was it was dormant for a while, and now it's come to full flourish. You know, yeah. And, and yeah, I didn't waste my efforts early in life uh, destroying my liver on you know natural light beer. I, my liver is fully intact and and, and ready for combat. And that's something we're going to talk about here in a sec. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of break, um, and uh, we'll be back with Adam Colasar talking about tiki drinks awesome. and uh, <laughs> and uh, mid-century modernism. There you All right, go. back in a sec. in the States. Meanwhile, back in the jungle... you're hearing right now is Adam Colasar shaking up a couple of Mai Tais, but proper Mai Tais. That's right, sir. This is a classic cocktail. Was that 34 or 37? Actually, the... Let me get back on mic here, be a little professional. <laughs> Actually, the Mai Tai dates to 1944, which... Oh, oh, I'm thinking about the zombie, I guess. Well, you're thinking about the the... 
uh, the inspiration, QB. that's correct. The inspiration for the Mai Tai, which was the QB cooler, right? which was invented by Don the Beachcomber. Right. And then Trader Vic in 44. That's correct. Came out with the Mai Tai. That's right. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's amazing how much people botch this drink. And, like, there are competitions, cocktail competitions, uh, that are built around this drink. And they almost, they, they, they rarely ever resemble anything close to an actual Mai Tai. You know, that's, that's a big stickling thing with, with me personally, is this is undoubtedly, that, this in the zombie, but this especially, the, the Mai Tai. Your grandmother has heard of the Mai Tai. Yeah. And there are so few people on the planet that have actually tasted what a Mai Tai should taste like. And right. to give you an example, I've been out to three different places in the last four days, and each of the Mai Tais that I've had have no, absolutely zero DNA with what a proper Mai Tai should taste like. A little bit of uh, history on the, the Mai Tai. Like, Mai Tai meaning uh, the best. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, it, first of all, let's talk about the, the ingredients on it, uh, in the drink. Um, you, you've got a couple of different rums, typically like a dark and a, and a gold. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, most Mai Tai or most tiki enthusiasts and experts agree on is that one of the rums, the dark rum, should have some aspect of funk to it. Mm-hmm. And me personally, and this is me, Adam, I like a Demerara for my funk. But uh, the conventional wisdom to properly executed Mai Tais goes toward the, uh, the agricole, using a, uh, an aged agricole as your, your from, funk element. Right, from Martinique. Uh, they have, the, the way that these uh, rums are produced, are, they, they, uh, for our listeners, uh, Martinique rum tends to have... Uh, this crazy funk to it that uh, almost in the way that like I, I kind of relate it to blue cheese even though it's nowhere near the same kind of profile it's just the way that it's perceived you know being right. like a very funky thing that's it's almost a vegetal a very vegetal like uh, tends to have uh, and also ten, Martinique rums tend to be 100 proof or more um there are certain brands that that nowadays have uh you know they they have an 80 proof version but typically if you want a like a classic martinique rum uh agricole rum you'll have it eh, you know bonded or more like 100 proof or more and right. uh there's uh the agricole meaning that it's actually it's a it's made from the sugar cane not from molasses that's right that's right and and basically, the, the, the use of the agricole came as uh, in, in the quest, if you will, of substituting for the holy grail of all Mai Tai rums, which is a 17-year Ray and Nephew Jamaican rum. And there's only one bar in the world that has it and can make you a proper Mai Tai as per the original spec, the 1944 correct. spec. And that's the, uh, it's at the Belfast Hotel, right? That's, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. And, and that will set you back. Set you back one thousand dollars. <laughs> so I really want to try it. I mean, I would, I would pay. I, well, maybe I'd split it with somebody. <laughs> I think that's the wise uh, solution to that. You know, so, so, just to have a mouthful of yeah. a proper mai tai. Now, okay, so let's let's get back to the recipe of the mai tai. It, yes, we've got a couple of different rums. Uh, we've got curacao, 
Yes. Which is uh, an orange liqueur from the island of Curacao. Yes. Uh, and uh, then we have, did I say lime juice? We have lime yes, juice. We have Curacao. lime juice. Then we have orgeat. Orgeat. Which is an almond uh, liqueur, basically. Right. Like a, an almond syrup, if you will. That yeah. dates back, if you read any, like Edith Wharton, they, these, the old ladies used to, to, to drink orgeat. I mean, it was, uh, it was derived from French barley water. Yeah, and became a very popular sweetener. It's and, and, you know you you see like you, like brands like Tarani mm-hmm. and uh, like uh, well, there's Fee Brothers. Fee Brothers has one too, right? Uh, um, you see these behind like coffee bars a lot of time because it's a popular yes. sweetener. For, like you were just saying, like for like coffees and teas and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you actually make your own. Uh, the company, uh, the the Brooklyn Orgeat Company, right? And you've been placed in bars, modern tiki bars like uh, Lanny Kai, Lanny but Kai. also with like uh, some of the other Julie Reiner uh, establishments like mm-hmm. Clover Club, Flatiron, right? And also at my bar at Prime Meats, mm-hmm. um, we we do a cocktail there with uh, an the, ounce of Orgeat and a bottle of Underberg and some brandy and some lemon. Al- one of yeah. my favorites, the Alpine the Sour. Alpine Sour. Um, you you started out making orgeats, and then you you also do some falernum, which is a, a like a lime cordial. That's with- right, the West Indian, like exactly lime, clover, ginger, mm-hmm. with an overproof rum, Clo- clove ginger, right? Well, actually, I'm sorry, cloves and ginger. Yeah, yes, right. Um. And I use all I use all of your products, and they're great. They're, they're amazing. They 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 put the the right amount of distinction into a cocktail. Like one of one of my cocktails, the, uh, the one that you actually renamed for. Uh, yes. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk about this because we're gonna we're gonna need hours of this. We're we're not near the end of the show, but uh, we we uh, I had a cocktail together, Adam and I. Um, at the Mai Kai, at the Hookie Lao, at the, the Mai Kai yes. in uh, Fort Lauderdale, which is a, a yearly event. It's a tiki Polynesian event, and uh, they do a room crawl. And uh, so, in the hotel, they they do an event where each room sets up a bar, and they design their room out, and they like decorate it, and they have a a, a contest on uh, the best design room, mm-hmm. the best uh, cocktail, and. Uh, our cocktail won That's last correct. year at the and, Hookie Lao. Yes, initially uh, Damon designed this cocktail uh, for a Benedictine contest, and it really had a fabulous tropical flair, and just the the whole audacity of introducing a Benedictine based tiki drink to a really hardcore tiki audience. Very discerning people. Really judgmental. <laughs> They're super judgmental and, you know, like any hardcore group of folk. And what we did is we just, it was the Cote d'Azur cooler and we rebadged it the uh, Papati Paralyzer. Paralyzer. <laughs> and it's a potent drink nonetheless, but it totally blew people away in that it was such a, a delightfully unexpected combination of flavors with the with the requisite complexity and funk that even the most most discerning tikiite would really appreciate and and that's what tiki really is all about is what yeah. you don't have to be so dogmatic with with rum necessarily but how is it that you create a profile that 
kind of invites the escape. It's all about, Tiki is all about the escapism. And when properly executed, you also happen to have a really beautifully balanced, complex drink that would satisfy any classic cocktail guy. And that's the thing. That's the bad rap that my my good, well-intended barkeeps out, out in the world, when they make me a Mai Tai that has zero resemblance to what we're sipping now, it misinforms the public, unfortunately, and, you know, there you have it. Yeah. I'm going to ask my producer real quick. Jack, do you mind if we run long with this? All right. You know what? We're going to go 45 minutes with this show because oh, we've got more to talk it's about. It's such a vast uh, <laughs> endeavor in, t- in terms of uh, what we got in front of us. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want to talk real quick about the uh, the Mai Tai that you just made for us in the studio. Right. Uh, you're using Eldorado 15. Right. Your rum. That's also, my funk element. That's your funk element. Uh, you're using the Appleton Jamaican Rum Special. This is the... Uh, this is the it's space, a handle. It's a handle of it's rum. It's a handle of rum. It's, it's one of my greatest workhorses in that it's, it's a gold rum that really does a fantastic job in lieu of a gold Puerto Rican because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very nice rum that has enough character but not so much character that it overwhelms a drink. And this paired up with your your orgeat that that you you uh, like most orgeats are actually made from uh, like blanched almonds. This one's actually toasted, right? So your proprietary way of making orgeat is you toast the almonds first, and then you make the orgeat. So it ends up having like this this richness that goes so well with aged spirits, like w- with your aged rums here. You've got a 15-year rum, and you've, I believe uh, Apple is a four-year? Yeah, I, it's it, yeah, not not very long, enough just to pick up the oak. or Some color. A little color, a little caramel yeah. color. You know, but it's a nice neutral rum. And I, listen, I've made probably 200 Mai Tais in my life, if not more, in, in search of that you holy grail. you made 200 just for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is the, the test bed, if you will. But the idea behind toasting really is to bring out the, you know, when you look at the structure of your tongue, the last thing you taste is bitter. That's at the base mm-hmm. of the tongue. And what I what I found with a lot of commercially available orgeats was that they were simply too um, floral. Cloying and floral. They're very cloying. They, they, they go way overboard in terms of that. They tend to use too perfumey, much like orange flower water and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and if one thing, anyone that knows me knows that I'm fairly dogmatic on trying desperately to recreate flavor profiles that the founding fathers had intended yeah you know i'm not a necessarily a really creative person but if if i can replicate a drink as it was intended then i feel relatively happy now i take a little bit of liberty i you know using the demerara but but the the whole quest for orjat was really to get out of that perfumey stuff yeah and get more to or that ta- actually tastes like, like almonds. almonds. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because that was the idea. Nice, Adam. Do you mind if we take a like a quick break? Not at all. And then we'll we'll, we'll come sip. back. And I really appreciate uh, you uh, coming on and uh, letting us run long with this. I, I I love to talk tiki, man. We're probably gonna have to set up a a, a return a part, show a for part, you. Part two part sometime two, down part the line. <laughs> all, right. all right, awesome, cool, uh, guys. Uh, this is Damon Bolte. The Heritage Radio Network. My guest is Adam Kolasar. This is the Speakeasy. We'll be back in a moment. This is the story of men and women who shed not only their clothes, but also their.
My guest today is Adam Colsar, tiki enthusiast and general badass. <laughs> um, he's just mixed up about five minutes ago uh, a couple of mai tais for us. Traditional mai tais, very traditional. His style. Um, let's talk about your spec. I mean, okay. typically you've got two different rums: that's orjat, right. lime, and uh, curacao. People tend to like mix out the. Uh, they'll use like. Cointreau or Grémier, like instead of Curacao, they'll use a different sweetener. They'll maybe use, a, you know, obviously they always people always switch out the rums. Yes. Um, personally, I like to use uh, dandelion and burdock bitters uh, in mine. Right. It's, it's like a macadamia kind of thing. But there's a there's a rationale behind your addition to that of that ingredient. It's not you've thought about it. Yeah. And that that count that that really counts for a lot. But but that's all stemmed on the the basis of the original Mai Tai recipe Mm -hmm. and what people I feel like a lot of people tend to just use the name as any kind of like rum thrown in with any other juice like it's it's a well known name yeah I mean that and the zombie I mean like they're they're like the zombie's a lot worse, frankly. I know. I, yeah, it's like uh, let's throw uh, four different rums together and, and some Hawaiian some, punch yeah, is, Hawaiian is, punch. is a yeah. common denominator yeah. in a in a wonderfully executed zombie. Let's talk about your recipe here. Okay, so you know it, it's all not only is it ingredients, but it's about the methodology of the build. Mm-hmm. And there again, I've tried different builds, and so let, well the the bill of fare, if you will, one ounce of of lime juice Mm -hmm. one ounce of the appleton special half ounce of the curacao and when i say curacao this is senior curacao which in curacao Curacao. that's right it's manufactured on the island of origin and it's it's a real revelation to the mai tai in this country in the northeast for for our our listeners here let's talk about curacao for just one second and we'll get back to the uh, absolutely curacao was an orange liqueur on the island of Curacao, mm-hmm. what they had were a lot of uh, bitter oranges. Right, these small bitter small, oranges. Small bitter oranges. Like, uh, basically like Valencia kind of sized oranges. And what they realized is like they couldn't, they didn't really want to eat them right. or use them for any kind of cooking or anything. So they realized that they could make a distillate with them, uh, like a, a liqueur with them, and then they could trade it out. And that's yeah. where the term curacao comes from and it's the reference standard again going back to reference standard, but it's the reference standard for what curacao should taste like mm-hmm. and like you say oftentimes you'll see uh, a change in spec with uh with 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 a cointreau with a grand marnier and these are these are liquors with very different properties and and uh intensities of oranginess if you right. will that will quickly overpower the delicate balance that that Trader Vic achieved when he created the Mai Tai. Especially like when you use something like Grémier. Yeah, Grémier is an orange. It's it's an orange liqueur, but it's based with cognac. Right. So you've got the brandy aspect in that too. Yeah. Which classically, like rum and brandy in in tiki drinks. I mean, like even not tiki, not just, just in tiki general. Drinks. Tom and Jerry. Yes, I mean rum and brandy, you know rum and brandy. So I mean, like when you've got when you've got a, a, a swap out like that happening, then you you're really changing the the cocktail altogether. Um, you you do uh, something with your. I'm going to get back to this uh, recipe, but you do something when you when you shake up your mai tai. You typically put uh, you you'll squeeze a, a lime right. into the drink, and then you'll throw the uh, the, uh, the shell the shell of the lime 
yes into the shaker absolutely and what that does is it expels the uh the the essential oils the uh the the zest out of the peel which is such a cool thing to me like and you just really get this full flavor right it, it adds a, a, another dimension to the lime component, the sour component. And then the other thing is you have your double old-fashioned. You pack that with your, with your crushed ice. Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is I pour the Demerara over the ice prior. That's the Eldorado 15. The Eldorado 15 Demerara over the ice prior to pouring the remainder of the mixture on top of that. And I find it does make a difference in the way the drink comes together as it dilutes. It's in, like a reverse float. <laughs> it's a reverse float, exactly. So you, you let that Demerara just trickle its way down the crushed ice, and then you pour the mixture on top of that. You hit your mint sprig, and, you know, as, uh, as Don the Beachcomber said, sip until the, uh, the desired effect is achieved. <laughs> About all his drinks, but this being a, a, a Trader Vic drink. But nonetheless, uh, that's my build. And, you know, in my experience, I've tried all different methodologies. That's what kind of satisfies my ultra geek, yeah. you know, in terms of, uh, of a well-built, uh, fairly representative Mai Tai, the way it should taste. Cool. You know, with that, with that build and that and spec. It, and it's a lovely drink. It's, it's one of my favorite Mai Tais. Uh, Speaking of ah. Mai Tais, uh, yes. you were recently, uh, what, just yesterday at, uh, you were telling me you were just yesterday at, uh, uh, at, at uh, a, a, a particular Brooklyn establishment, we should probably not oh, name, yes. the classic, classic Brooklyn establishment, uh, and you had, you ordered a Mai Tai off their menu, and it was it was one of those, like, Hawaiian punch-ish. It totally was, and, and what was funny is... You know, and I love this place, and I love the bar, and, you know, it has its own point of view, but I, I like to order a Mai Tai just to see what how it comes out a lot of times. And it will always be an agreeable rum punch, but it's very, very, in fact, it's never a Mai Tai. Mm. Fair enough. But this drink was funny in that the, the pre-mixed generic uh, uh, fruit punch was resting clearly on the bottom, and then over it was the uh, the well dark rum, and it was completely separated, which yeah. I found interesting. So I had to agitate it myself, it's and like we a had the cafe of exa- a poos <laughs> cafe mai, mai tai, yes, but a tasty, potent rum punch nonetheless. But yeah, not a mai tai. So uh, this place we're talking about, which we're not going to name, is a very classic Brooklyn place. Yes, where. We have also been, uh, we, uh, yeah, beloved, absolutely. Um, We've been talking lately about uh, the survivors of uh, classic New York, I guess New York City area. Well, the the tri-state. The the tri-state area. Tiki survivals, tiki survivalists. Yes, there are there are a few uh, classic tiki bars that were original. Like, there's a lot of new bars uh, coming out, and certainly out, you've got Lanikai, which is, in my opinion, the best of the of the new. It's really they and they, really they have will say a they're not a tiki bar. They make tiki drinks very well, though. But they do. I mean, Polynesian yeah. tropical. However, right. you want to couch it. Yeah, their execution is in the finest tradition of Don the Beachcomber. Totally, absolutely, with with a reverence and and a beauty. That does not exist in a lot of places. And an awesome poo-poo platter. Oh, the, well, yes, absolutely. Um, so you've got you've got these other places like the uh, uh, like Riff Raff and uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Hurricane Club and all this, like new places that uh, 
they're using this theme. Like you're you're almost seeing like history repeat itself. You're seeing like this aesthetic being used uh, to to grab attention, but they're not putting the attention into the drinks. Right. It's classic. It's about uh, right. It's about that the atmosphere. What's hot. And mm-hmm. what sells and what makes money. And listen, no one opens up any bar without the intention of, of earning money. Making a lot of money. You want to make a lot right. of money? Yeah. But a lot of what I've encountered out in, our, in, in, in the new bars is a real uh, penchant for either super duper potent drinks that have no resemblance to, to the drinks that they're named after. Uh, or... You know, uh, a complete um, adaptation, if you will, to suit a specific demographic. Uh, one of the, the places we're talking about, you look at their, their quote-unquote tiki menu, their Polynesian menu, and by and large, it's all, uh, it, it's, it's very heavily weighted to vodka. And because vodka is what 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 sells to them, what masses. sells yeah. to that particular demographic that they're trying to achieve, and what they do is they they make a vodka infused this that, and there's nothing wrong with that sugarcane infused vodka. Uh, that's right, you know, <laughs> and 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 I give that a little bit of leeway in that that's they're not calling that that drink something it shouldn't be. They're calling it their own name, but right. it really. It's not doing a lot for tiki, so to speak. It's 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 capitalizing on tiki, whereas Alani Kai has a reverence to Polynesian and 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 uh, island influenced type things. But yeah, so the, the what we're encountering is that latter day characterization of poorly balanced syrupy sweet umbrella drinks and it really it really More sells aesthetic than, than yeah or yeah. or drinks that are are frankly served out of a pink flamingo yeah that you put the the straw up it's behind with sparklers <laughs> in it you know th- 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 there's a lot of fun in that but but unfortunately the downside is it's it instantly dismissible and and completely silly and and listen Tiki is supposed to be fun. Let's not. Let's not. Oh yeah, absolutely. you know. But the drink becomes completely dismissive and disposable. Yeah. In that context, and so the people that are really trying to put this together well, we're we're looking at a cycle, perhaps that we're you know, whereas well executed uh, classic cocktails are taken seriously, and it's a real culinary movement. And this is in post prohibition. Tiki is what really got mixology back on its feet. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, um, you know, because there was such a dirt, there was such a, an absence of sp- available spirits post prohibition. But rum you could buy by the case for next to nothing because rum running had always taken place. You know, there was Canadian whiskey and there was rum. Right. And Don the Beachcomber said he was a pragmatist. I made these rum drinks because I had a lot of rum available to me and I discovered that mixing those different rums together could produce a really awesome combination Adam it has been my pleasure to have you on the show today Um, we have so much more to talk about we do (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you are uh, available to run along with the show today Um, I do want to talk about just quickly uh, about the uh, three Yes. Possibly four of the original uh, tiki bars. 
That's from right. the 60s and 70s that opened uh, in the New York City area. We went to Jade Island That's in Staten right. Island, Boston. Yes. And we went to uh, Chance Dragon Inn. Yep. And the, the Ridgefields. That's right, in Ridgefield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Opened in 19, 1965. 1965. Uh, that was uh, Jade Island was opened in 1972. In correct. And uh, the the last of the trifecta would be King Yum's. Opened in 1953. 1953. Yeah. Um, granddaddy. I've been with you to those, the previous two. Right. But I have not yet been to King Yum's. Yes. And uh, we are actually going to be going... To King Yum's next Wednesday night. What time did we say? We uh, said seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, and that's in Fresh Meadow, Queens. It's on Union Turnpike, one eighty one zero eight Union Turnpike. <laughs> awesome! And we'd like to extend a, an open invite to any of our listeners that want to come out and check out one of the oldest original tiki bars in the New York that's City right. area. That we'll fusion of Chinese food made Polynesian. With an exotic drinks menu and a fabulous bar there, a real survivor, uh, and those drinks you're you're tasting drinks that are the same, probably prepared by the same guy that that mixed them in the the fifties and sixties. The guy that opened the bar. The guy that opened the bar. <laughs> exactly. Adam, I really appreciate you being on the show today, and I really appreciate the uh, the. Amazing level of uh, tiki and rum knowledge that I've acquired from you over the past couple of years since I've known you, and I also appreciate this mai tai that you just made for me. That's oh, uh, what's all about slowly melting away in my hand and uh, taking away all the uh, the pressures of the snowy day that we're facing. That's right, a little bit of faux Polynesia on the uh, encroaching storm. Yeah, we've got summer ahead of us. That's right. Thanks a lot. My guest today has been Adam Colzar of the Brooklyn Orjat Company. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Uh, we'll see you next week where my guest will be Ari Form of the Jake Walk. Cheers. Man, I wouldn't lie. You can't hire than a kite. Now